Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today comes from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 30 through 37. And you can follow along in your bulletin. They went from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes not the one, and welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Wayne Gretzky. Alexander Graham Bell. Sir Frederick Banton. David Suzuki, Pierre Trudeau. Now, some of those names you may know, and some you probably don't. You know that, of course, Alexander Graham Bell was the inventor of the telephone. And you probably, if you are someone that follows sports, even just kind of on passing, you know who Wayne Gretzky is. And some people who are um, kind of follow politics may know who Pierre Trudeau is, that was a former prime minister of Canada. All of these names have one thing in common. They're Canadian. Back in 2004, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation had this series, it was a limited TV series, where viewers got to vote for who was the greatest Canadian. And that was actually the name of the show, The Greatest Canadian. Uh, To be on that list was somewhat easy. You had to either be born in what what is Canada or what was going to become Canada, or you were a naturalized citizen. And for either of those categories, you had to be someone that made a significant contribution to Canada. So in the months leading up to the first broadcast, which was in October of 2004, Canadians across the country were contacted by the CBC for their nominations. And by the time the show's first episode took place in October, they had whittled all of that down to 
50 nominees. And then that 50 was whittled down then to the top 10, which were revealed in November. And the names that I just shared are some of those that made it into the top 10. It's interesting, the number two, which um, you also may know, and I forgot to share earlier, may know who Terry Fox is. And if you're of a certain age, you might remember he was um, someone that was an amputee um, that had cancer and was, his goal was to run across Canada. Um, he made it 3,000 miles and stopped just outside of Thunder Bay, Ontario. Um, and then later, uh, the cancer got worse and took his life. He was the second most remembered. The number one was Tommy Douglas. And I know that for most Americans, that brings a lot of blank stares. But that name means a lot to Canadians. He was the premier of Saskatchewan, which is our equivalent to our governor. Um, and he was also what is called the father of Medicare. So he was the person that was responsible for what became Canada's um, single-payer health insurance system. So he was listed as the number one person. So I share this because as humans, we are always occupied with who might be the greatest of anything. And that's not always a bad thing. I'm not saying we should never do that. I'm definitely not casting aspersions on the greatest Canadian. But we always want to know who won the gold medal? Who won, what country won the World Cup? What football team won the Super Bowl? We want to know who is the greatest. And last week, Jesus asked his disciples a very simple question. Who was he? And Peter tells him ultimately that he is the Messiah. But when Jesus talks about his impending death, Peter gets nervous and he rebukes his teacher, telling him to stop to thinking about such horrible things. And we remember what Jesus did. He rebuked Peter, telling him to get behind him, and in some ways calling him Satan, because that was a temptation to not take that road that would lead towards his death. In the text today, Jesus decides to tell his disciples again what's going to happen to him. So he does it again. He's going to be arrested. He will be tortured. He will die on a cross, and on the third day, he would rise again. How did the disciples respond? Not much different. The thing is, it's important to know and I've always wondered why it was that the disciples couldn't, when he said all of this, he also said that he was going to rise again. And the fact is, in Jewish theology, there is such a thing as resurrection. But that happens at the end of time. So when Jesus is talking about rising again, they think that that's going to happen way down the road and that they will be left alone. And so 
they don't want to think about that. They don't want to think about his death because it means losing Jesus permanently. And so they didn't, they could not wrap their minds around what he was saying. And the disciples, when they were kind of trying to understand this or trying to not understand it, did what anyone sometimes will do when they are faced with difficult news. They decide to talk about something else. They couldn't comprehend that someone who was called the Messiah, the king, didn't act like a Messiah. So they started talking about something that they did understand, that they understood perfectly themselves. They started talking about which among them was the greatest. And Jesus had earlier, and he did not read this passage, but Jesus takes them up of a mountain And that is where he is transfigured. And he takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And you have to think that the other nine disciples were somewhat jealous that these seem to be Jesus' special disciples. Of course, one could have thought that maybe Jesus picked them because they were not the smartest disciples, but that's neither here nor there. So they're arguing on the way, and they probably think that Jesus is not paying attention. But of course, he was. And so when they come to a house in the town of Capernaum, he asks what they were arguing about. And of course, they don't say a word. They don't need to. Because Jesus knows exactly what they're talking about. And you probably, I could imagine Jesus sighing and probably rolling his eyes, kind of like, what am I going to do with you people? And he then sees a child, and he beckons the child over, and he picks her up, and he puts her on his lap. And he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you have to welcome a child. Now, usually when we read this text and how it has been interpreted in the past is that we have to be childlike to enter the kingdom of God. But that is not what is being said here. What is being said here is something about children and how this culture viewed children. Children in this this time period were people that had no status. They were considered consumers because they didn't do anything that contributed to society. It wasn't until they were older that they were considered persons. And this is actually nothing that is unusual because if you think about it, even into the early 20th century, there there were times where kids in different parts of the world weren't even given names at a very young age because the child mortality rate was so high they didn't want to get too attached to that kid because they may die. So what Jesus is saying here is, if you want to follow me, 
You want to care and, and have and welcome the person that doesn't have status. That you are to be a servant. A servant to someone without status. Now, of course, we always like to look at the disciples and kind of shake our heads and maybe roll our eyes and think that this is their problem because, of course, it's not our problem. We, are, we may not be someone that thinks that we are involved in titles. And I think especially in America, we are someone that we don't really like to use titles. That's kind of our, our way. But the fact is, even when we don't talk about titles or look like we aren't wrapped up in titles, we are obsessed with status. It is easy to see and we, that we judge ourselves based on status. And sometimes that's not just an individual issue, that is a collective issue. It's easy to look at a church, let's say of our size, and think that we can't do a whole lot to serve God. But the thing is, is that Jesus calls us out of our fears, of our insecurities, even our ambitions, and tells us to serve. Now, Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest, um, also a prolific writer. And he was, at one time, a pastor um, and professor at Harvard. And at some point, he gave that all up. And he moved from Massachusetts to the Daybreak community in Toronto, Ontario. And the Daybreak was a house for people who were developmentally disabled. So he was taking care of people who usually could not take care of themselves. And it was here that he learned how empty success and status could be. And this is something that he wrote. Most of my past life has been built up around the idea that my value depends on what I do. I fought my way up to the top, to, this, to the lonely top of, of little success, a little popularity, and a little power. But now as I sit beside the slow and heavy breathing Adam, a resident of Daybreak, I start to see how violent that journey was, so filled with desires to be better than others, so marked by rivalry and competition, so pervaded with compulsion and obsession, so spotted with moments of suspicion, jealousy, resentment, and revenge. Jesus is calling us to be servants, and to be servants especially to those who are lowly, those who may be also despised, the people that we sometimes don't want to be around. Last week when I preached, I talked about taking up our crosses. And you can look at that in some ways as what God is calling us to do as individuals. What's happening today is a communal response. 
that as a community, we have to be willing to give up the running uh, after status and instead look for the forgotten and serve them. For Jesus, being a, a Messiah meant serving others. This kind of service is foreign in a world that worships status. And that worship of status has a cost. This past week, there was a story in BuzzFeed. It was about a mentally disabled man in Missouri. He had been for many years as a child taken care of by uh, two loving adults. There was a, a weird way of that they could not adopt him until he was an adult. And what happened was that he was taken away from his caregivers, the only caregivers that he knew. The young man was sent to a um, group home for, and was basically abused um, for money, money that they would receive from the state. And the sad thing was is that he died neglected and his remains were found in basically what was uh, even just a place where he was just forgotten. This is the way of the world. This is the way of our world. But in Christ, it doesn't have to be this way. And as a church, we can be a place that shows an alternative, that chooses to follow the way of Jesus. We are in the midst of a worship series. We are still here. And we are, as a community, still here. One of the reasons I believe that we are still here is to be in service with our community. Serving especially, serving everyone, but especially those who don't have status. Seeing each person as a child of God that is worthy of love and respect. Who is the greatest? The greatest is in Christ's kingdom, the least of these. So let us find ways to serve the least of these. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.